Let's pray. Lord, I think it's appropriate today that we remember not only that we are great sinners, but that you are a great Savior. Amen. You may be seated. Now, what would you do if you were God and someone that you loved were in great trouble? Do I have sermon slides? We'll find them, I'm sure. Now, people have all kinds of, of powers and abilities. Uh, superheroes have superpowers and abilities, right? But none of them are God. None of them are the Almighty, the creator of everything that is. Everything we have ever seen. And everything we have not. None of them are the sustainer of all things. None of them are the one source of power in the universe. Anything else of power pales in insignificance to him. He's the only one who can do all things. He's the only one who's never surprised. He's the only one who's never at a disadvantage. He's the only one that always knows what is too great for the Lord. What is too great for the Lord? Nothing. Nothing. He created everything from nothing. You might have heard of it. He created and thought up things like oceans and trees and dinosaurs and justice and lions and tigers and laughter and shooting stars and whales and rain and math. And planets and music. Do you know he even had the stars singing together? And electrons and butterflies and angels. And he thought up you. And he caused it all to be. And he's the one that sustains it all. And he's the one that make, can make mountains shake. And he's the one that stops the sun from crossing the sky. For one hour, one day. What is too great for the Lord? He causes whole empires to grow from nothing. And he causes them all to go away. What is too great for the Lord? When God is all powerful like this, what will he do when someone he loves is in trouble? What will he do for you and me? I used to think that the resurrection was Jesus' greatest accomplishment. But I've come to believe that even greater is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. It's not really surprising that an all-powerful God can make someone who is dead alive again. 
Think about it. He's all powerful. But I think it should be at least somewhat surprising that the all powerful God would, by his consent, by his choice, die. That he would experience the very same thing that we do. The one with all the power humbled himself to the point of dying on the cross. In Philippians it says, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. That should be surprising. In being found in, in appearance and nature as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That the all-powerful God would do that, that should be surprising. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus the Messiah is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Evidently, God looked and said, what these people who I love, who need to be rescued, they don't need power. They need my humility. And look what happened when Jesus died. The barrier between us and the Lord was, was removed. It was symbolized. But at, at, at the time of Jesus' death, we're told that in the temple, the huge, thick curtain is about this thick, ripped from, from top to bottom. The way to God wasn't in place anymore. We're told that the work for which that we honor him it was done when he died on the cross. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. It's not that the resurrection brought us peace it was by the death that he died, his wounds. It's not by the resurrection that we're healed. It's by his wounds. You and I are not innocent. We deserve to be punished for things that we've done. We deserve much worse than we get. Maybe if justice were really brought to bear, we'd owe our lives for the damage that we've done. No amount of power can change the fact that we're guilty. Now, power can cover things up. Power can buy off a judge. Power can help you escape from consequences, but it does not do away with your guilt. Jesus was innocent. He paid the price that we should pay. He was not guilty, but he received the punishment that guilty people deserve. 
When we turn to Jesus, when we believe that he took our punishment, when we trust in him, when we come close to him, it, it, it's, he comes cl- even closer to us. It, it, it's, it's like picture that he surrounds us. That, that we're in Christ. And when we're in Christ, what is true of him becomes true of us. He covers us because of his love for us. Not only with what he did, but with what he deserved instead. He took the curse that we deserve and gave us the blessing that he deserved. And it's ours because he, he covers us to the extent that we're in him when we come to him. Galatians, Paul says, the Messiah redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to us, might come to Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Curses were broken by Jesus' death on the cross. Blessings were extended from the cross. Not by power, not in the way that powerful people keep their children from consequences and provide them benefits. That creates spoiled children. That creates hard hearts. That creates entitlement. That creates bad people, heartless people. But God didn't use power to make the devil drop his charges against us. Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. He said he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You know, in all the shows that I watch, evidence that's hidden or destroyed always shows up later so justice can be done. Jesus didn't hide a thing. He took all that evidence to the cross with him and he nailed it there for the whole world to see. It was made public. The victory over spiritual rulers and authorities, over the devil and all his demons, over sin and death itself, was won on the cross on Friday. It was not won by power and might. It was won by humility and death. We're told in the book of Hebrews. It's another book in the library we call the Bible. Hebrews 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. So that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power over death. That's the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So he destroyed the devil's power from the cross. He won our freedom from the cross, not by power, but by humility and death. If he had done it by power, he could destroy the devil by a word. But that only makes me fearful of what is he going to do to me. 
some of, some of you may be familiar with this saying, it is the unknown we fear when we look upon death and darkness, nothing more. It is the unknown we fear when we look upon death and darkness, nothing more. We fear what we don't know. What is it? What's going to happen? What's it going to be like? Am I even going to know? Is this the end? Is this all that there is? What's going to... If there is a God, what happens to me? Well, Jesus, by his death, he's been there. He knows. He's not only been there, he went through it and he came out the other side and was raised to life. Never to die again. He didn't just come back from it. He went through it and destroyed it. He knows. And when we are in Christ, we have nothing to fear, even of the unknown, because we are in the one who has overcome it. We're with the one who's been there. We're with the one who knows. We don't have to fear the unknown. He destroyed, like it again it said in Hebrews, all he, he came to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Don't have to be afraid. Don't have to be enslaved by that fear anymore. Ephesians 1, 7. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom, not with power and might, but with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Our sins are forgiven By the humility and death of Jesus. They're not covered up, scratched out, there to be discovered again. Like someone with power might accomplish. Power can be used to ignore it. Power can be used to expunge it. But power can't be used to deal with sinful, broken hearts. Erasing A record does not reestablish a relationship. That can't be accomplished through power. Peter wrote, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He wins our hearts. He doesn't force us. Into God's presence in a way when when somebody forces you to do something because they have the power, how inclined are you to receive it? Power can't change a heart. It's useless when it when it comes to to love. How many songs have been written that say, in essence, you can't buy me love? And that's what God wants. God wants us to know his love. God wants us. God wants to win our love and affection. And by his humility and his death on the cross, by imputing those benefits that he's earned to us, that's what brings us to God. God showed his great love for us. Paul wrote to some Christians in Rome. Chapter 5, God showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You can't earn this. 
the only son of the almighty God, laid down his life for us. He who was in very nature God humbled himself and became obedient even unto death. Even unto death on a cross. Now power has its uses, but power does not create love. Power does not erase sin or guilt. But Jesus' death for our sins brings forgiveness. Power can overcome and conquer the enemy of our souls, but it wouldn't release us from the guilt of the sin that we deserve. Jesus won the victory because he took it all upon himself. He took all of our sin. He took all of the curse. He took all of the enemy could bring. And because of Jesus, because we can come to him and in Christ receive what he has, then we can be friends with God. Romans 5, verses 10 and 11 Our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. Not by power. Not by force. By his humility and death. Verse 11. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So I invite you, not because you're forced, not because you're being bought off, but I invite you on behalf of God, your Heavenly Father, the Almighty, to enter into friendship with Him. He paid a great price for you to be able to come. He's given you so much. By the very nature of what happens when Jesus comes close to us and we receive him. In the quiet of your seat, or even here at the altar rail, I invite you to invite him in. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the millionth time. To be his. To be in Christ. The one with all the power gave it all up to win your heart. Now I'm going to lead us in some worship. And the song follows this same idea. And I invite you, you can do whatever you need to do in response. You can stand and sing it with all your heart and gusto. You can kneel and pray. You can come up to the front and pray. You can just sit there quietly and think, there's no right way to do this. There's no wrong way either. But as I lead us in worship, I invite you. Come to the Lord.